Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the show, a long-awaited episode that I'm very excited about, we have Sarah Dietschy, a tech and creativity YouTuber, though she's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. Sarah, thank you so much for being here. Woo, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Your Twitter videos, just everything about you I've been loving. (laughs) Thank you so much. Uh, I'm so excited to have you here. Are you ready to dive in? So excited. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Main Street. Every day when I log onto Twitter, I'm greeted by Nick Abuzade's smiling face besides a promoted tweet about Main Street asking me if I am a seed stage startup. Unfortunately for me, I'm not, but you might be. So founders, here's the deal. You're owed more than $50,000 in tax credits from the government, seriously. And Main Street can get it back for you in 20 minutes. The truth is that the first 30 to 50,000 times I saw ads for Main Street, I thought it sounded too good to be true. But then Nick gave me the rundown. The US government annually sets aside $100 billion for startups. Main Street connects directly into your payroll system to find which of those credits and incentives apply to your business. Then they'll advance you on the cash you're owed in real time at 0% interest. Oh, and 90% of venture-backed startups qualify. It costs nothing to find out how much you're owed, and listeners of Non-Technical can book a free white glove onboarding call today at MainStreet.com slash non-technical. Sarah Dietschy, Rhymes with Peachy, is a YouTuber based in Dallas, Texas, with 780,000 subscribers on her self-titled channel, where she creates and uploads tech reviews, docu-series, and vlogs. Through her work, Sarah explores the intersection of technology and creativity. Sarah rocks the YouTube scene with her contagious zest for life and absolute obsession for tech. She's partnered with brands like Intel, IBM, Adobe, and Best Buy to enable her creativity and provide the best content possible. Sarah, welcome to the show. It's so weird hearing bios that your manager makes for you, hearing it read to you. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah, I know what you mean. Hearing my name in the third person is always like, Am I in trouble? Yep, yep. (laughs) So I'm really thrilled to have you on the show for a number of reasons, obviously, because we are, of course, connected online and I follow your stuff and I think you're really talented and have a really cool perspective. I, I mean, and also the tech creativity intersection near and dear to my heart. But I don't know if you know that when I started making videos in 2016, you're one of the YouTubers I would watch for inspiration and tips. That's so cool. You know, I was trying to think, where were we eating like a weird sandwich, like by a highway (laughs) with the Patreon folks? I know exactly where we were. It was after Vid Summit in 2019, I think. Vid Summit. Okay. Is that right? You did a talk? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. No, because I remember I was hanging out with you and Megan and, you know, even then, I could tell because I feel like Jarvis knew you as well. And it was it was almost like instantly I was like, okay, there's no way that this girl doesn't become like a actual content creator. I mean, you you were just like <laughs> it's hard to describe, but it's it's awesome to be here talking to you and then like seeing all the stuff that you're making and then being on your podcast is just awesome. Cause you you have these niches that I feel like no one else in my, I guess, YouTube sphere would understand with VC culture and all that stuff. Cause I just follow all those people on Twitter and that's my entertainment. So when you kind of like bridge those gaps, I'm like, oh, this is it. This is so fun. It's cool to see your journey. 
I appreciate that so much. Well, the feelings are totally mutual. And I think I consume VC and tech gossip like most people follow celebrities and pop culture. <laughs> like it's so much more interesting to me, yep. like what someone's crazy valuation was than who someone from a reality show is marrying. <laughs> Same here. So Sarah, I'm really excited to have you here. And I wanted to know, how did you spend your last day off? Man, you know what's so funny? I need to work on that because very rarely do I have mm. days off. I mentioned this to prior is like when you're a YouTuber, it's kind of all encompassing. So if I have mm -hmm. a day with my family, that's usually what I'm doing now because I'm back home in Texas, away from the big city, mm -hmm. New York City. Um, <laughs> so I usually try to take at least like one day out of the weekend to just like go hang out, do nothing, yeah. eat lots of food. And that's kind of my day off right now, which is different. You know, usually my day offs are like, okay, go on a work trip and then do one activity that's fun. So I love mm -hmm. this topic of your podcast because I'm like, oh, these questions actually might stump me. Cause I'm like always oh. working. So really answer yes. to that is it's super boring. I just hang out with my fam for like four or five hours, eat good food, goof around, get in a yelling match about something, whether it's like sure. political or crypto or, you know, the fun stuff, <laughs> <laughs> the big two, the yeah, hot topics exactly. of the day. <laughs> you said you eat a lot of good food. Is there a particular dish that's your family's go-to day off holiday dish? Ooh, okay. Yes. So usually it's for holidays, but it's just get togethers in general. Mm. My grandma, my mom, my aunt, the potato salad, but it's not like a proper potato salad. Huh. It's like, what do they call it? It's basically okay. just potatoes, butter, a ton of cheese, like cornflakes on top, sour really? cream. It gives you a heart attack. You can't eat it more than like twice a year. Sure. <laughs> but like... <laughs> that is like the staple of every like get together meal. I guess it's very Texas. You don't worry about how much butter. I is was going to say, is that a Texas thing? Is that a Southern dish? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably so. Do you think it's a Texas thing or a DG thing? Like if I were to ask other people from Texas, would they be familiar? Maybe, maybe, but I think it's definitely more of a DG thing. And then something that okay. I've been doing, oh my gosh, it's bad. So I've been missing fast food. Like, I know that's crazy to say, but mm. in New York, you know, you have a lot of unique places that you eat, whether it's Thai or it's Italian. Sure. It's not like they're typically a chain. Of course, you have Shake Shack. It's crazy to say this, but I was missing just like classic fast food, like Raisin Cane's. Really? Zaxby's, Chick-fil-A. You just pull up in two minutes, you just get the fast food. Mm -hmm. So I've been down a fast food journey recently that I'm just trying to pull out and it, you get sucked into it. But it's funny yep. that I've been kind of enjoying suburbia. It's very nostalgic for me because I yeah. feel like it was my childhood. It's definitely less uh, less culture maybe in the suburbs, but mm. there, there's something, I guess, comforting about like, you know, go after high school and get Sonic or Raisin Canes. And so I'm sure I'll get tired of it soon. Yeah. But right now I bet it's fantastic. Yeah. That novelty of being able to get in a car and drive somewhere. You don't even have to get out of the car and they hand it to you where my mom lives in the suburbs of Florida. There's a drive through Starbucks and wow. Wow. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And luckily I kind of have the best of both worlds in that we we didn't want to go to the suburbs immediately. So we're still in a building with shopping and food underneath. So I still have a lot of the stuff that I love about New York. But then, yeah, just having a garage and a car and being able to go. And I think that was a big thing with the pandemic. And, you know, were you in San Francisco for the beginning? Oh, yeah, baby. Six months in a studio apartment in Hayes Valley. <laughs> 
And so I don't know if you had a car in San Francisco or if you just Ubered, but the feeling mm-hmm. of like being in a small mm-hmm. apartment and there's no way out. Like, you know, we didn't have a car in New York. Yes. We didn't want to take the subway. Um, we ride our bikes and booster boards a lot, but the weather isn't good half the time. So mm-hmm. it was this weird feeling of like being trapped. So now I'm like, I just get in my car and just go where it's like so freeing. I, I know this probably sounds very stupid for the majority of America. That's like Not has cars all. and this is normal, but <laughs> I was like, this is so great. <laughs> Well, I shouldn't say not at all, because I do think you're right that to the average American, they're probably like, yeah, that is what life is like. But to me, I'm like, absolutely, I get it, because that's exactly how I feel. Just being able to get in a car and take yourself somewhere is it's just a beautiful, independent, freeing experience. Did you grow up in New York or Florida? I actually grew up in Connecticut in middle of nowhere. So not even the suburbs, but rural Connecticut on a mountain, lots of land but only two and a half hours outside of Manhattan. So the city was always really close and really accessible. And I grew up between those two extremes, which was rural Connecticut with lots of cows and then New York City. Oh, that's cool to be close to the city though and still have that. Where I am, you know, being in New York for five years, Mm. but being from Texas, now that I'm back here, you know, I just like visited my grandpa's ranch with all of his cows and stuff. I'm like, this is just so different. It's so funny, but it's weird. I definitely need a balance. I'm glad I'm in like a proper city still, hmm. but I love that I can kind of escape to those more rural areas. How has moving back to Texas changed the way that you spend your time or has it? I think I'm now able to work. Like I know that sounds crazy, but in New York, it just seemed like I was living a groundhog day. You know, guys, it's New York. It's like, it's already back. It'll be fine, right? I don't think the pandemic destroyed it. It has some big hurdles for sure. But I think a lot of this really is just people have a weird relationship with the place that they spent the pandemic in. I know saying I was unproductive during the pandemic, I don't want to shame myself for that, but it did feel like I was just in a slump every single day. And I guess Mm. when you don't have that change of scenery, when you're in that small apartment, you can't just like hop in a car and go somewhere. Um, Like that Mm -hmm. affects your work too. Now that I'm here and I feel like I have freedom or I can just go hang out with my family for a couple hours and then like come back and work. And I'm putting my family in a lot of my YouTube content right now, which is like a lot of fun. Of course you have to shield them. You know, you don't want to have them in anything too controversial so they don't get Twitter hate. (laughs) It's a balance. I I did see a tweet from you recently where I think you said something like, should I turn my whole family (laughs) into YouTubers? Yeah. I did like this camera test with the cows, my grandpa, and then I'm doing this video with my dad. He's mining this random crypto. There's like all of this stuff happening around me. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so fun. I'm just feeling like inspired again, which is awesome. New York is one of those places where you're so used to just people coming to you. That was so fun for me. Every other week, there was someone coming through that I could like make a video with or do a podcast with. And then when that stopped, I was like, oh man, wait, I call myself an introvert, but I actually think I'm more on that extroverted spectrum in terms of working with people. I've always been very good with having my own hobbies and like, you know, me, my family, my fiance, like I'm good. That's all I need. But those work relationships started lacking. And I'm like, oh my God, I need people. Right. So I think that was the biggest shock to my system. Like flexing that collaboration muscle again, I think is, is, has been the best thing Mm -hmm. about being here. 
Absolutely. And it's fun to make stuff with your family. Sometimes I drag my mom into things every once in a while. And I think I mentioned at least one of my parents on every episode of this show. (laughs) And they're the people who like, obviously can get under your skin the most. So you can't like do it all the time, but they're also the people who understand you the best. Just they can kind of like read your mind with stuff. Was there anything that your family did growing up that you at the time thought was normal and then later you learned was extremely strange? Mm, That's a good question. Maybe something we did that I thought was strange, but was actually like Mm. normal. I hope this isn't a humble brag. God, I thought it was so crazy how our lives were so centered around academia. I was so focused on school and extracurricular activities and Mm -hmm. for college, everything was pointing towards college, right? It got to the point where my mom was like, hey, don't even worry about chores, just worry about your ACT. As long as I was bringing good grades home, everything would be on autopilot and it was like 100% just focused around that. Looking back now that my life has nothing to do with any of that, it seems weird to me. And I know a lot of kids, that's probably like really normal, right? Just your entire life is focused around what AP classes you're taking. What are the extracurriculars Mm -hmm. to put on your college application? But I remember when I was in it and I was trying to figure out college and eventually I dropped out. I always just thought that was unique to me, but it, it wasn't. I think something that it highlights for me is how much you think the way that you are growing up is how everybody grows up while you're going through it. And then as you meet more people and you gain more experiences and you gain perspective, you start to look around and be like, oh, there were other options. There were other paths. Yeah, I didn't learn that until later. And I think that's why it's so hard to kind of like go down a path that isn't what everyone else is doing. Like Mm -hmm. having a really good job and healthcare (laughs) and all those things and then taking the jump into the creative world. It's like, it's scary. We're all kind of like little robots as kids. You know, you just next thing, next thing, everything leads to like this thing that costs $200,000 that you're going to go into debt for. I was like looking at all of my old Mm -hmm. like documents and movies from high school. So I feel like this is very fresh on my brain. It was just crazy how everything revolved around that and like how big basketball was in my life. Like I I played basketball in high school. Oh, you were a big basketball player? Yeah, I wanted to play basketball in college and I was watching like old clips of me last night. Really? Yeah. And I was like, This is so funny because now this is a blip on my timeline. But when you're in it, it's your entire world. If you don't get into that college that you want, it's like the end of the world. I guess I'm feeling nostalgic. Like I would have just told younger Sarah, like, stop stressing out so much. You're 15 Mm -hmm. years old. Stop stressing about like your AP history test. (laughs) Totally. What do you think has changed the most about you from the high school age to now? There's actually a lot of similarities in the way I work. And that's what... I'm honestly trying to work on and that I'm like a avid procrastinator. When I get into things, it's just like, it's game over. But now that, you know, YouTube is like, it's been my job for over five years. It's one of those things where, okay, Sarah, it's not as cool you being up at 3 a.m. editing a video because you like went down this (laughs) random rabbit hole, you know? So there's a lot of similarities in terms of that, but I think probably what has changed the most is the art of delegation was so Mm -hmm. hard for me in the beginning of my Mm -hmm. creative journey because I always thought, hey, this is my thing. Like, I have to do everything in order for people to respect me. Then, Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but then it's harder to grow. And I think that's something that I've been working on this past year, and I'm actually seeing progress for the first time ever, which is just... Oh, congrats. Yeah, it's been such a... Exciting. Yeah, yeah, which feels good. So, um... Yeah, I think that's the one thing that luckily has changed for the better 
Mm. You expect things like that to just happen automatically, but then you're like, no, you have to really focus on this and you have to work on it. Absolutely. I relate to that so much. I totally agree. So have you ever been known as the something person that could have been something in school or on one of your creative projects or anything like that? Mm -hmm. Probably three or four prominent phases in my life. So earlier, so middle school, high school, it was basketball. That was my thing. Okay. I was a baller. And then (laughs) once I stopped growing and I realized, hey, I'm not as passionate about this anymore. I, I... Mm-hmm. stop playing basketball my junior year of high school, which was a big deal. It's a big deal. It's my entire life. Cause you know, I was the basketball I'm gal. Sure. So you stopped growing. You mean like you stopped getting taller? Like and physically. Less realistic? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're like, well, I became stunted emotionally and I could not go on any longer. <laughs> I mean that too. So both. both. Yes. <laughs> Cause you know, I think when you, when you dive into something and it's your entire world, you no longer have hobbies and that's the only thing that matters. But after basketball is music. Okay. You play guitar? Yep. Electric guitar player. And I was in a band and, you know, we were playing shows on Sundays in Deep Ellum and in Dallas and we made an EP and I was obsessed with it. Everything was about music, music, music. And that's literally why I chose electrical engineering. What was your band called? <sighs> the Bad Habits. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah, the bad habits. So we were like pop rock. I I was like, okay, what's a responsible Mm -hmm. career that I can do that my parents and grandparents will be proud, but I can also continue down this path of guitar and music. And so I was like, okay, electrical engineering. I can build amps. I can like build pedals. So I got an internship at this electronic shop and I started pursuing electrical engineering in college. And then once I started adding a job, and real life responsibilities to music. And I started realizing how hard it was to make mm-hmm. money via music. Mm-hmm. That's when I was like, nope, this isn't going to work out. <laughs> and then I think kind yeah. of my third phase, which I'm still stuck in now, was just video. So when when it came to our music videos, I was a person who always had the video camera, who was always editing our stuff. And, you know, I started making stupid school projects, like rap music videos starting in eighth grade. So video was always a thing with me, but I never thought it would like be my jobs. And I guess that's where I've kind of just been in. So it was like basketball gal, music, and then video. And then of course, in my video journey, my first viral video, I was the Casey Neistat girl. And that was probably the biggest one to shake because when people know you Mm -hmm. as one thing and you get a hundred thousand subscribers on one video, everyone is commenting being like, Oh, do more videos like that. <laughs> yeah. When I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So that, that was the, the biggest yeah. challenge in the beginning of 2016. That's right. And that was right around the time that I found you online and I started following you for all of your incredible videos, both around the tech side, but then also I just really enjoyed what you were making. And I can totally see where explosive growth from a single video could lead people to label you as the person who made that one video, especially with someone like Casey Neistat, who has such a strong brand online. Yes. Yeah. And so that Hmm. really directed me towards like a year of vlogging, which like Hmm. I was trying to continue my docuseries, Creative Spaces TV and vlog every day at the same time. So that killed me. But through that, you know, I learned a lot about myself. I just got Ajita thinking about that. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So it's (laughs) usually you have to choose like your art thing that you're proud of that doesn't involve your face or go full on YouTube. And I just did both, which was like 
crazy, but you know, you just have to throw everything against the wall and see what, see what works. Mm -hmm. So that first year was like really weird. My docuseries, people didn't like that. My face wasn't in it. And I'm like, guys, I've been doing this for like years. You know, I'm sorry. My face isn't in it, but like, this has been my thing for a few years. So just hang in there and I'll try to make some stuff with my face. I guess that's better than the alternative than someone being like, Sarah, we really love this. But if if it could have like less of your face, that would be, maybe if your face was just smaller. That's a very good point. What's the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? I'm actually very serious about it, but it's almost kind okay. of funny because I know it will never happen, but it has to do with tech. Okay. I love like two-in-one computers. So, you know, I can edit a video in Premiere, but I can also use it as a tablet and write notes in OneNote or whatever. But that's only Windows PCs. And, you Uh know, Apple obviously has such an amazing ecosystem going on with their iPad Mm -hmm. and MacBooks and and stuff. But I am convinced, and this is the hill that I'm willing to die on, that I need a touch MacBook. I'm ready. And I know Apple will never do it. Folks, she needs a touch MacBook. You don't think so? Never, ever? Oh, yeah, never. Like, this is the hill that they'll probably die on. They want to so desperately keep the iPod (laughs) MacBook separate. But I'm like, man, there are so many good things going for both of those systems. Let's just combine them. I think a lot of people probably feel the same way that you do, but I think Apple would probably prefer that you purchase two devices instead of one. <laughs> exactly. That's that's their thing. I had an iPad when it first came out, I think, but I put textbooks on it for college. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, they're amazing for college. Yeah. However, the single other biggest use of my time on the iPad was a pottery app. It recreated the experience of throwing pottery on a wheel so you would like touch the clay in as though you were throwing pottery on a wheel and then you could paint it. It was very satisfying. It sounds so fun. I mean, that sparks joy. So it's worth it. You know, I'm just ready for that next phase, but Apple will never. Well, I can only assume that Tim Cook listens to this show. So Tim, you heard it here first. Okay. Sarah needs an all-in-one solution for this. I appreciate that. Sarah, is there a fad that you look back on participating in that now makes you a little cringy? That could be like a fashion thing, a cultural thing, a workout thing. Yeah, honestly, it's a lot of fashion choices. A lot to do with like shoes. I mean, I was such an avid wearer of Uggs. Mm -hmm. Okay, can I ask some clarifying questions? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, were you wearing the Uggs in Texas? Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to say. So for for the one or two months that were cold, man, Uggs. Yeah. And probably even when it was a little warm, like chill, Sarah. What is cold for Texas? Cold for Texas is like, like 40. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cold, actually. I'm joining you here. I also wore Uggs. And I think that's something that I've disclosed publicly before. But if not, I am going on the record as somebody who also owned Uggs. And they are so comfortable. They are so comfortable. It's like you're wearing slippers. Which is appropriate because they should only be worn in the home. Exactly. And then I feel like another thing that I wore a lot that I regret when I see in pictures, do you remember gauchos? Yes. Yeah, like they're not capris and they're not pants and they hit you in between the knee and the ankle and they're gauchos. Unforgivable. That's yeah. it's honestly, it's tragic. It really is tragic that, that that happened. They're kind of coming back a little bit. Have you noticed that style? Oh, don't say that. Really? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to let you know this, but I've seen pants that are a similar cut out there in the true wilderness of 2021. Whoa. Like in New York? Yeah. Like for fashion, which is... Okay. <laughs> 
Okay. Okay. So gouches, I think that it's because you're an individual. You've always forged your own path, you know? Exactly. So we have that to be thankful for. Sarah, who would play you in a movie about your life? And this is a two-part question. Would that movie be a biopic? So start to present, or should we focus in on a particular era of the Sarah Dietschy life? Oh man, what a great question. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I love these questions. I wrote it myself. Yeah, I'm going to tell you who I would like to play me. Yay. Although it sounds kind of conceited because I think she's like the coolest person ever. But I feel like Jennifer Lawrence. That's who I was going to say for you. Really? Yes. Oh my God. Okay, that's so cool. Totally. Because I love her. That's right on. Yeah. I'm obsessed with Jennifer. So Jennifer Lawrence and Jennifer Gardner, pop culture heroes. I grew up like watching Alias, sure. freaking Sydney Bristow. Like it made me want to be a CIA agent, which is absurd. Cool. And then Jennifer Lawrence... You know, like, I don't know why I became so obsessed with her, but the world was, we were just smitten with her. She was, oh, she's just so Mm -hmm. imperfect. She like goes off script. How quirky. I know. I know. I'd probably say her. And then, you know, what's interesting. I feel like the most crazy time in my life was when I was transitioning to basketball to music. So, you know, Jennifer Lawrence would be way too old. But I feel like it was interesting, like, the moment where everything blew up in my face and I made the big decision to screw basketball, I'm going to play music. And it was like an overnight basketball camp. And, like, I have such vivid memories. But there was this thing at the end of the camp. It was the tournament. And if you lost, you kept playing the Ah. tournament. So it would go from, like, five-on-five to four-on-four to three-on-three to two-on-two until it dwindled down all the way from, like, you know, the, like, 200 kids to, like, two. And I was the last two. And so it was (gasps) one-on-one, which means I lost, which means I kept losing. I never won. And it's, like, three hours in. I'm exhausted. And so I was the last person. I was literally the last person left. I lost on -on one-on-one to this girl. Wow. I feel like there's, like, high-pressure situations in my life, like that one, that have, like, formed Hmm. who I am today. So I feel like that would be a fun, like coming of age, young girl trying to figure out life. But that's the one dramatic thing that comes to my, my brain. I love that. So what I love about that, we could use it in the film in a couple ways. One, yes, it could definitely be sort of a young adult coming of age tale. It could also be the beginning that sort of shows us something about you as a character that then comes back throughout the movie. So that could either be tenacity or maybe there's a redemption storyline at some point where maybe it's not basketball because now you're an adult, but maybe there's another situation where you face that high pressure, but then at the end of the movie, you ultimately succeed because of what you learn along the way. You have it figured out. So I'm just hit up hit up J-Law for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll just hit up, yeah, for sure. Well, like Tim Cook, Jennifer Lawrence, I'm sure also listens to non-technical. So um, Jen, just, yeah, like shoot me a quick text and we'll, we'll work it out. I ran cross country my senior year in high school because I, at the time, was world's number one worst athlete, slowest runner ever. But it was mandated that we do a sport when I was always doing the school play or I'd find a way to do yoga or whatever. And for some reason, I decided I'm going to pick the hardest possible option. I've always been a horrible runner. I've always hated it, but I'm going to get better. And so I joined cross country. And in middle of nowhere, Connecticut, your cross country meets at other schools are on these like beautiful 3.1 mile courses, either all through school campuses or in the woods and out of the woods and on fields and all this stuff. 
really fun, but also it means that everyone from those schools like gathers around at the end of the races to like see people cross the finish line. Sarah, I came in dead last every single race for the entire season, except for one, which means that moment of being the last person and having everyone be aware that you're the last person happened to me the entire season. And what's the worst too? And I don't know if this is what you experienced, but like when they're trying to be nice and like cheering you on, you got this, you can do it. And you're just like, shut up, shut Um, up. I am on hour five of trying to make this free throw. My very first cross country meet, my team lovingly and with a lot of support in their hearts formed a gauntlet for me to run through at the very end to support me, which was very sweet, but definitely highlighted the situation. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. And and yeah. you realize, oh, okay, maybe I should try something else. Yeah. I actually didn't become a long distance runner. Shockingly. We were all <laughs> surprised about that. Sarah, what is the most memorable gift that you have ever received or given? Okay. Received was my first guitar. It's Christmas morning. And it was this like mm. really cheap $150 Squire. That was the first electric guitar I ever had too, for the same reason. Exactly. Because <laughs> you know, it's that phase where your parents are like, she's probably not going to take this seriously. Yes, I, yes exactly. You know? So, So it was like, Okay, you can try. Here you go. We'll give you like two lessons and we'll we'll see where this goes. I mean, jokes on them. It became like my entire life for like almost a decade. But I think that was the coolest because it was something that, God, I'm talking about basketball so much, which is so weird. But basketball is like a team sport. Guitar Mm. was my first hobby that was mine. And I could go into my room. No one was there. It kind of just like unlocked, I feel like my first creative hobby that just led to so many things. And I was able to just like be alone, learn songs and then take those songs and be like, Mm -hmm. how do I create my own thing? And I think that really helped me flex my creative muscle for the first time. It was such a huge segue to like everything I do now, which was really cool. I was like in sixth grade. What color was it? It was the classic black and white. It wasn't very exciting, Uh. but I just became obsessed. So I would just babysit all the time to, you know, get my next guitar and yeah, have all my jobs would just funnel into more guitar equipment. So it was just like, I had like five guitars and like 20 pedals and two amps at one point. It just, it got to be too much. (laughs) Totally. Well, Sarah, I have one more question for you, which is actually based on a tweet that I saw from you from late February, where it was revealed that you Googled, do side sleepers have less symmetrical faces than back sleepers? And I wanted to know (laughs) if you have discovered the answer and if this tweet and your findings from it changed the way that you sleep. Man, asking the important questions, I appreciate this. So Thank you so much. It actually did. From that tweet, because I was having a really, really hard time sleeping where I guess my pillow was too thin because I'm a side sleeper. Okay. So I woke up every morning with a sore jaw because oh it's essentially like I was just sleeping on my arm. Yeah. And I was like, I have to solve this. But then that led me down the rabbit hole of like, I'm like this every night. Do I have a deformed face because of this? So yeah. that was a whole other rabbit hole. But what was great sure, that sure. came from this is if you're, if anyone's a side sleeper out there, I got a pillow and I don't know what it's called, but it's a Ooh. pillow that like curves. 
it's thicker on the outside. So it's basically like a perfect sure. hole for your head. And so it oh, supports. Oh, a face hole. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it supports your neck, but then it allows your head to go in the hole. So it like that keeps you great. straight and it's thick. I no longer like wake up with my face sore. And someone linked the pillow that I bought in that tweet. Really? And it, now I have amazing sleep as a side sleeper. I never really came to a concrete conclusion about if it's deforming okay. my face. Okay. But I do well, now sleep well, much better. Which I think is arguably more important. And I'm going to find the pillow that you're talking about in this tweet thread because I want it because I think I have this issue. I mean, I don't know if my face is deformed, but I feel that I would like to sleep with my face in a hole. That sounds really nice. Exactly. And I started to get really insecure because people say that like you're more beautiful if you're symmetrical. So we, we had yes. a whole conversation about that too. And so I did that like Snapchat app that basically would like cut your face in half. It makes you pretty insecure because literally you have one side of your face that's like hotter. Unless you're just like, you probably have a very symmetrical face, but it was, it was very weird. <laughs> I like, definitely do not. <laughs> I, trust me. It was, trust it was me. such a weird rabbit hole I went down, but it was like, oh, okay. So when it's two right halves, it's more pretty than mm. two left halves. So it's the left side of my face. That's ruining me. Anyways, mm -mm. I don't want to know. Well, Sarah, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'm a little nervous. Though. You're nervous? Why? I feel like I have to say something funny. You the really don't. <laughs> okay, if I told you that this episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by a company called Main Street, what would you think that they did? <laughs> what do I think Main Street would do? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime I hear something with street, I'm thinking like Wall Street or finance Ooh. or something. Mom and pop businesses. The town I live in has a Main Street. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's MainStreet.com if that helps. That helps a lot, yeah. <laughs> it's better than BackAlley.com. Do you want to know what they do? I do, desperately. So Main Street helps venture-backed startups uncover tax credits they've never heard of in 20 minutes. That's incredible. Oh, so I was right with the finance thing. Oh my God, I see their ads on Twitter. How is anyone supposed to know where these tax credits are? A lot of the credits that they uncover are actually kind of obscure and not well-known by most CPAs. So even if you like have a CPA, it's still good to use Main Street. I have a call right after this with our head of BizOps. In all seriousness, if you're about to talk to your BizOps person, you should DM them the link. MainStreet.com. You should. It's I if I had a startup, I would use them immediately. It seems like a no-brainer. And we're back with Sarah Dici, a tech and creativity YouTuber. Sarah Dici, we have arrived at the lightning round. Are you ready? Let's go. Oh, I'm ready. Yes. Okay, coffee or tea? Coffee. How do you take it? Iced with almond milk. Ooh, did you have a favorite coffee shop in New York? People would be mad if I say Blue Bottle because it's originally from San Francisco, but I had a uh, Blue Bottle next to my office. Blue Bottle makes great coffee. I love Blue Bottle. I support you. Nobody get mad at Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question, but iOS or Android? iOS. Yeah, for sure, right? Okay. Do you have a favorite board game? Chinese checkers. Really? Where did that come from? Family? My childhood. We just always played it. I don't know why that was the first thing that I said, because I haven't played a board mm -hmm. game in so long. But yeah. that was just like fun, fun times with my fam. Yeah, I loved that game. When you make your bed, in addition to using your face hole pillow, do you make your bed with a top sheet or no top sheet? I don't even make my bed. That's what I, that's Sarah! I'm a slob. 
I'm a slob. That's the answer to You're that question. You're not a slob, actually. I know many people who don't make their bed. I'm anxious for you because if my bed is not made, I've said this before, but like I've been taken. Yes. Like Some- something has gone awry. Yes. So I'm the complete opposite of you. Have you ever read a book twice? Hunger Games. Ooh, really? The whole trilogy? Yep. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with those. That started my J-Law fascination. Yes, there we go. Do you have a pump-up song? You know what it used to be? Oh, what is that song? Akon and Young Jeezy. You're trying to take it easy. It was my, it was my, uh, yep. it was my basketball song. Sure. So we know it was Akon and Young Jeezy. Um, yes, we did. Oh my God. I need to look it up because like this was yeah. my jam. Do you, oh my gosh, what song was that? No, I know exactly what you're talking about, but I can only remember the intro part <laughs> where, um, where they say their name. Yeah. Soul Survivor. Soul Survivor. That song. That was my like getting pumped up before a basketball game song. Get the people going. Yep. What would you title your memoir? Stay Peachy. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so cute. That's so cute. Oh, Sarah, this has been such an absolute treat having you on the pod. I really cannot thank you enough for joining me today. Where can people find more about you on the internet? Yes, you can Google Sarah Peachy and you'll find me. So I'm <laughs> at Sarah Dici on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And those are those are my places. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Oh my gosh, the pleasure was all mine. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technical pod on Twitter. Sarah, one more time. Thank you so much so much for joining me. It was so fun to chat with you. Yes. 